the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. It's something we've spoken about a lot, and that is the speed with which crypto is moving into the traditional finance space. Crypto exchange Valor last week announced it was partnering with Visa for the issue of cards and the delivery of digital payment solutions. The Valor Visa partnership follows other Visa partnerships with leading global crypto asset service providers like Coinbase, Crypto.com and Circle. But this is the first time for a South African crypto company to enter a partnership like this. Not long before this, Valor announced its users can now pay at Pick and Pay with the Valor Pay app. All this is happening as crypto companies are about to be licensed by the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. Visa, for its part, is moving steadily into the crypto space. It launched a crypto consulting service and invested in crypto platforms as part of a global push for digital currency adoption. Well, to discuss the latest developments in this sector, we're joined by Farzam Esani, CEO of Vala, no stranger to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. Hi, Farzam. It's good to talk to you again. I, I wanted to get a little bit of an update from you about the Visa partnership. But before we do that, can we talk about what's been a fairly extraordinary week for crypto with Bitcoin up more than 10% in a week? What's going on here? What's the reason for this? Hi, Kieran. Lovely to be with you. It has been a very um, active week in the crypto markets. We have seen uh, Bitcoin rise about 10% over the last week. And over the last month, it's actually up about 30%. So there's been a a lot of movement in the crypto markets, which were otherwise quite stable, actually, for the last few months. So over the last week or so, we've actually heard rumors about the approval of a U.S. ETF, a Bitcoin ETF, uh, from the likes of BlackRock, the largest asset manager in the world. Um, It looks like that's gaining momentum. We've also heard about the grayscale news uh, with the SEC basically having to stand down with not uh, able to inhibit the conversion of the Grayscale Trust into an ETF. So there's a lot of excitement about that. And then also we have some of the largest voices in finance, the likes of Larry Fink, who's the CEO of BlackRock, as I mentioned, the largest asset manager in the world, who has come out to say crypto is really uh, proving itself to be a flight to quality. Now, that appellation was really reserved mostly for U.S. treasuries and gold in the past. And so for one of the largest voices in finance to come and talk about crypto in that vein, I think is, uh, is, it bodes very well for, for the crypto markets, um, but also particularly at a time where there's tremendous amount of geopolitical tension around the world, uh, people may be actually putting where their, money, their, their money where their mouth is. And there's been a lot of speculation about what impact the approval of these ETFs or exchange-traded funds will have on Bitcoin. And basically, you'll be able to, rather than invest directly in Bitcoin, you'll be able to buy Bitcoin through one of these ETF funds. So do you think this is going to be positive in the sense of, I know that's going to increase demand, but is it going to increase demand at the expense of the traditional Bitcoin investor up till now? That's been, you know, your techies and your people who are speculators and people who just have a taking a long-term view about Bitcoin as a store of value and, and as a money. Yeah, I don't think it will affect the underlying because um, with ETFs, the actual mechanism that works uh, we're not an ETN. An ETN is an exchange-traded note that is slightly different from an ETF, which is an exchange-traded fund. 
And the exchange-traded fund actually needs to buy the underlying asset that they are selling in the ETF. So the demand that actually comes through in the ETF will find its way into the underlying spot markets. And so that demand uh, will manifest itself throughout the crypto markets globally. So I think this is going to be very bullish for Bitcoin and crypto in general, but more so for the larger narrative, not so much just for the dynamics of the supply and demand, but the fact that this is kind of the first time within the U.S. market, one of the largest markets in the world, where there is an official stance to allow this asset class to be accessible to the retail customer in, you know, directly from their, their traditional retail trading accounts. Uh, we haven't really seen that in the past. And so that would be the first step to unlocking this world of cryptocurrency in the traditional world, making it seamless to purchase uh, this type of asset class directly from your traditional brokerage account. So I think once we see that gate kind of open slightly, I think we'll see a lot more. So that narrative is, is more exciting to me than just the dynamics of the supply and demand with the, with the underlying you know, Bitcoin purchases. And we're seeing similar narratives all around the world. Of course, this is not the first time there's an ETF, a spot ETF. There are spot ETFs in existence already in places like Canada. So it's not the first time in the world, but it is for the first time for the U.S. market, or it will be the first time for the U.S. market. So I think particularly with the long-term trend of something like Bitcoin, that is really still very nascent. You know, It's only about 15 years old, a decade and a half old. These trends matter a lot because money isn't just something and value isn't just something that comes overnight, but it actually takes a long time uh, to kind of get into the psyche of a population. It's a cultural shift. And so I think this is just one critical milestone in crypto becoming mainstream and being more useful for society beyond just a speculative instrument. It's been a very speculative instrument up until now. And with that speculation has come a lot of volatility. And I do anticipate that volatility to continue. But as we get more and more of the mainstream into this space, what we should see over the next several years and decades is that volatility should decrease. And moving from just a speculative instrument to more of a means of payment, and then potentially even a unit of account where things are priced in crypto over the long run, that's the type of narrative that excites me. All right. So talking about this 10% jump in Bitcoin over the last week, and you mentioned that over the last month, it's up 30%. I mean, that's extraordinary and it just underpins what you've been saying about volatility. But have you seen an increase in trading volumes at Valor? And is this normally what happens in a bull market? People start jumping on as they see the prices moving. And I guess there's another factor here that Christmas is coming up and we've always... I don't say always, but most oftentimes, come Christmas time, we do tend to see quite a lot of activity on crypto uh, with regard to crypto prices. Yes, yeah, so we have seen more trading volume on Valor, and that is generally a trend when we see uh, you know, price action, particularly to the upside. We do see trading volume increase to the downside as well, by the way. Whenever there is volatility on places like Valor, on exchanges, we do see an increased amount of volume because there is you know, some movement, people look at trading opportunities, there are arbitrage opportunities, etc. So we've, we've seen quite a significant increase uh, in our trading volumes recently. And as you said, you know, a place like Valor, we're open 24-7, 365 days a year. And um, you know, some of the diehard traders you know, are looking at their screens during the holidays and 
you know, we're open during Christmas, we're open during New Year's. And historically, there's been quite a lot of movement and trading volume during that time. So, you know, unfortunately, we don't get to take off, uh, you know, during the, the holiday season as, as, as a company. But what that does mean is that the, the markets are very active and we continue to serve our customers. Now, let's talk about the Visa partnership. Give us the breakdown here. Does this mean that you can issue Visa cards to your customers, allowing them to spend crypto using the card? And how does this differ from the normal debit and credit cards that are issued by Visa? Great question. So this past week, we announced a strategic partnership, official strategic partnership between Valor and Visa. And that partnership really just announced that we are going to be uh, issuing cards. We are going to be looking at digital asset uh, payment solutions uh, for our customers, particularly. Now, within that, when you look at the South African market, what's required to become, to, to come and issue a card is actually a few more players here, particularly an issuing bank. So Valor and Visa are very much aligned. We're talking to different banks as well to become issuing banks. Once we have an issuing bank, then there are different types of options for us to, to consider. And the two that we've been exploring uh, significantly is a credit card, as you mentioned, and a debit card. The credit card would look very much like your traditional card, which you would just be spending czar you know directly from uh, you know the basically the balance sheet of a bank you you would basically have a card that we would co-brand with a bank you would use that card just as you would any other card and then you would pay back you know the, the, the credit at the end of the month and then what you would get rather than getting say you know some loyalty points you would actually be, get uh, every month cash back in crypto so that's an, a very exciting card that we're we're looking at and, and hopefully we'll be announcing relatively soon. And then the second type of card is a debit card where you're actually debiting directly from your balances on Valor. That's where you could be spending your, your crypto or your even your, your fiat that is actually or your rand or your dollars that or, or, or stablecoin dollars that are on the Valor platform. So there are a couple of different models over here. From a regulatory perspective, South Africa is actually quite difficult, particularly with crypto companies, to, to actually get a product like this out the door. So the Visa partnership is the very first step in that process. Um, and then once we have a bank, uh, and when I say once, we, we'll make announcements on, once we're ready. We, we, we never like to make announcements before things are baked or fully baked. So once, uh, once we have that bank, then we'll make announcements about the actual product itself. So the exciting thing at the moment is, you know, we have probably the, one of the largest names or if not the largest names in global payments that's really been in the crypto space for a long time, uh, partnering with Valor, which is now the largest exchange by trading volume in South Africa and Africa. And we think that message is a very strong one for the crypto industry. And we're looking forward to making some more announcements with, uh, with, with banks when, when that time comes. Valor recently obtained approval to offer crypto services in Europe, and I, th I believe you're in the process of obtaining licenses in Dubai, Mauritius, and of course in South Africa, where you started. How international has Valor become, bearing in mind you were only formed in 2018, so you've been going five years, and, and you've raised, I think, something like $75 million in the process of doing that. So your 55, growth is, yeah. Sorry, 55. 55. 
So, yeah. the, so it's a good growth story and it's a good South African business story in the crypto space. How international are you and is this your plan that you're going to spread your footprint broader and broader around the world? Yes, right now we're still very much serving a South African clientele. About 85% of our customers come from South Africa and 15% come from offshore. Uh, that that number of is obviously the eighty five has obviously gone down. It used to be fully South African customers, and then gradually we've been serving more and more international customers. Our aspirations are are no doubt to serve a much more global audience. You know, we 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 came from uh, kind of being non existent in South Africa, obviously where there was an incumbent player, uh, Luno at the time, to to having more trading volumes than Luno, and now. We are looking and we have our eyes set on the international space and really to compete against the international large exchanges. Now, we, we've really got to prove ourselves for that. That's a lofty aspiration. There are some great exchanges out there, um, but there's a lot that we have at Valor that is served to the South African clientele that has attracted the large traders and that trading volume to our platform that we feel we can really deliver to an international audience. So that's very much part of the plan. But part of that plan is also getting more products and services to service that international audience. So to date, we've had spot markets. And spot markets just means basically buying the underlying Bitcoin, either buying or selling it. Um, we've also introduced margin trading, where we are an NCR, or National Credit Regulator Registered Company, where we can actually extend credit to, to customers to be able to use some leverage. We don't go crazy because it can be very dangerous, but some leverage to customers that would desire that for capital efficiency purposes, etc. And then soon we're going to be looking at perpetual futures. Now, perpetual futures is a type of derivative that um, really is the largest traded instrument uh, in the crypto market. So about 75 to 80% of trading volume in the cryptocurrency markets are through derivatives and not spot markets, which is what I mentioned that we, we have. So we're very excited about launching that. It's actually being built. It's actually in in production, being tested with the select customers. Um, so soon we will make some announcements about actually uh, opening that up to the broader market. And that's also the, the time that we really hope to make some inroads uh, in a more significant way with our international clientele and, in, in the, in, and the international markets. But we're keeping our heads down, building, must remain humble and do our very best. But we're very excited about that journey, having come from a really South African-based business to, to going global. Let's talk about the perpetual futures. I think a lot of people who are in the trading space will understand the concept of uh, single stock futures and futures on indices and that kind of thing. Here we're talking about futures, a perpetual future. I guess that's one that doesn't expire. It just continues to roll over continuously. Um, Who is the intended market? Is it the trader? Is there institutional demand for this kind of thing? Where's your demand going to come from? Yeah, most of our demand at the moment, we have about just over 500,000 customers overall, and we're nearing about 1,000 corporate and institutional customers on Valor. A lot of the trading volume comes from the larger players, the institutional customers and the corporates. Um, and so we anticipate a lot of the trading volume from the in the perpetual markets to come from those larger players. Um, and of course, there are some regulatory restraints that will, will, will you know only apply to those larger or only allow those larger customers to 
to trade on some of these products and will unfortunately exclude some of the retail customers, but purely from a protection, uh, you know, and a, and a kind of regulatory perspective. So given that, one of the re- reasons that people like to trade or the larger traders like to trade uh, perpetual contracts, as you mentioned, is it's a futures contract that does not expire. And it's basically tied to the spot price through funding rates. Uh, getting a little bit technical here. But one of the things that is exciting about this product is that it gives exposure to people trading this product to the price action of crypto without actually holding the underlying cryptocurrency itself. Uh, A lot of people don't want to necessarily hold the cryptocurrency given risks associated with holding cryptocurrencies. They want to get exposed to the price action and they want to be settled with their profit and loss every few hours, which is what we'll be doing on, on the platform. So that applies to to many large traders. They use that for a lot of different reasons. You can use that for hedging purposes. You can use it for speculative purposes. It's much more capital efficient because you don't have to put the full amount of capital for an entire position in the futures market down. So there's a lot of reasons why more sophisticated traders would use it and more sophisticated retail traders may also use it. But we still anticipate for the regular person on the street they will probably still be utilizing our spot markets, buying and selling crypto where they can actually withdraw it from the platform, hold it themselves or keep it on the platform and we take care of the security there. So the idea though is we're trying to bring more and more products and services that will appeal to a larger cross-section of the market and, um, and grow our platform in this way. I would think as well one of the probable markets that you'd be looking at there with perpetual futures is arbitrage because I know there are a lot of people overseas who do arbitrage between futures and spot. Uh, Is is this something that you're looking at? That is absolutely correct. So, you know, when we look at our product selection, we're always looking at what the customers are asking for. And people have been asking about this for a very long time. Now, when you create more and more different types of products, and actually when they're also more more venues to trade on, you know, Valor and other exchanges, many more opportunities for traders present themselves. We have a very sophisticated application programming interface, otherwise known as an API, where sophisticated traders aren't going onto the actual website and, you know, click trading, but they actually have algorithmic trading strategies that they, they implement. And so through our kind of world-class API and through more products and services, more opportunities manifest themselves. But what that also helps to do is to actually create more efficiency in the markets so that where there are any dislocations in price action, they are quickly closed by these sophisticated traders to ensure that there's efficiency in the markets, both on Valor, as well as other local exchanges, as well as other international exchanges. And to your point, that comes through arbitrage trades as one strategy. But there are many different strategies. And as we create more of that volume and more of those products and services, your markets get deeper, your ability to execute trades at a better price becomes better. And so there's a kind of a, a, um, a snowballing effect where once you have some momentum, it really takes off because as a business like ours, we are a network business. So without the network, our product is, is not very useful. But because we're a technology platform that brings together buyers and sellers, the more buyers and sellers that you have of different types of products allows for different trading strategies, allows your, your, your retail customer to come and get much better prices, much deeper liquidity. So it's a very exciting journey that we're, we're on. We've got a lot of work ahead of us, 
but um, we're, we're very bullish about the future, not just about the crypto prices, but about our platform as well and serving our customers. I'm sure there's good reason to be bullish, but it just strikes me that it looks more and more, given this range of products that you've been outlining that are being developed and some of which are already in baked in the oven, you begin to look more like an investment bank. And of course, that is your background. You and your team, I think, originally came from RMB. Um, and so a lot of these products that you've been describing, with the exception of Valapay, which is aimed at the retail market, which you can use to buy groceries with at pick and pay. Is that a correct analogy? You're moving into the investment banking space, but with a crypto tinge to it? I would put it a slightly different way. I mean, we're definitely within uh, financial services. But, you know, when I look at banks and when I look at the financial market, I really look at uh, institutions that are playing this space, serving five critical elements of kind of services in the value space. And when I say value, I'm talking about whether it's, you know, rands, dollars, crypto, gold, pork bellies, oil, corn, you name it. Something with some type of a financial value that's traded in the global markets, right? And if you look at these five pillars, you, you have, when you talk about value, you have the ability to, or the need to store value somewhere, the need to transfer value or payments from one place to another. The third thing is the ability to exchange value, one thing for another. The fourth thing is to provide value through loans and, and, and uh, you know, borrowing. And then the fifth is protecting value, whether that's through derivatives as hedging strategies or insurance. But really, if you look at banking and finance, as simple as that with those five pillars, whether you're talking about RANDs or crypto, you're really at the core of it trying to serve financial needs across those five values. And there's obviously advice. I haven't talked about advice across those five values, but even the advice will span those five different pillars that I've just talked about. So our strategy has always been to say, we think the world needs a better financial system. We think it's very cumbersome when it comes to certain aspects of the financial system, such as cross-border payments and things of that nature. Uh, it is very inefficient sometimes. And so we're trying to make it better. And we think that the cryptocurrency asset class is a great opportunity to do so. And to your point, I think it starts, starts to look very similar to what banks are doing. Uh, but I think we, you'll see a convergence in the future because I think banks are also starting towards, to, to move towards crypto services as well. And so I think you'll start to see probably quite a lot of M&A activity in the next few years between your traditional banking sphere as well as your cryptocurrency sphere. And probably in the future, you won't just have crypto players and banks, but you'll see a merging of those two. And so we're doing what we think is the best within our regulatory constraints to provide services in the cryptocurrency space. But we think we'll meet the traditional banking system and the investment banks and asset managers along the way. And we look forward to that challenge. Okay. Well, last question. And briefly, because we are running out of time, give us a look into the future for, for Valor and, and crypto. What are some of the big trends we should be watching out for? Yeah. So I think some of the trends that will stay. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. I think volatility will remain. I'm always very uh, um, deliberate in mentioning this so that people don't get too carried away and then start making decisions that might burn them in the short term. So volatility is here to stay. And I always say you need to understand this asset class before you go into this asset class in any big way. So that's the first thing. 
The second thing, you know, there's been a lot of talk about stable coins. Um, I think stable coins have played a tremendous uh, role in the cryptocurrency system. We're talking about, uh, you know, between Tether and USDC, the two largest stable coins, we're talking about a, a market value of over 100 billion US dollars um, that's backing these two. And these two are becoming rails for payments and, and other things. And so we're also starting to look at regulation of these stable coins. So that's the third thing, which is regulation. Regulation is going to start to come to the fore. As you mentioned, we are now, as Valor, we've been approved to uh, offer crypto services in Europe. We are making very good process, uh, progress in South Africa, Dubai, and Mauritius. Um, these processes of uh, getting license weren't even available to us a few years ago. So now regulators are actually providing the ability for players to come in and register and beyond registering, getting licensed. And I think beyond the licensing and the registration, we should expect to start seeing much more regulatory clarity across the board. That's still an area that's, that's very challenging within the crypto space. And so I'm very, I'm looking forward to that. And I think that will continue. So if you look at kind of that, that, um, you know, from number one, which is the volatility to the stable coins, to the regulation, then you will start to see other products and services coming to the fore, such as payments and things of that nature, going back to the original question about Visa. So we're trying to really position ourselves to, A, be very regulatory compliant, B, partner with some of the largest players in the world so that we anticipate these trends and actually can serve our customers better, uh, and C, uh, really remain at the cutting edge of this industry, which is still so nascent. And there's so many kind of avenues to build. Um, and so we're trying to just keep our, our eyes on the ball here to try to understand where things are going, to stay at the cutting edge, to serve our clients as best as we can, and hopefully try to make the world a better place. Farzam Asani, CEO of Valor, we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much for that fascinating discussion, Farzam, and look forward to speaking to you again in the future and to follow your progress. Thank you so much, Kieran. Pleasure being with you as always. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.